Welcome to Significance with me, Don Muller, and thank you so much for joining me. As a trusted advisor to influential leaders across the world, I help top performers create companies and lives of significance, and I want to do the same for you. On this show, I share insights and interviews that will help you become the best version of yourself for the benefit of others. Make sure you subscribe to Significance on your favorite podcast player, and you can connect with me at donmuller.com. Enjoy the episode. In this episode, I chat to writer and executive coach Jeremy Curdy. Jeremy is director of Curdy Associates, a consultancy specializing in editorial development and executive coaching, which focuses on helping leaders navigate and shape the future. Jeremy is a former senior vice president with The Economist, and he is the author of 29 books translated into 17 languages with titles including The Truth About Talent, A Question of Trust, and Coaching Questions for Every Situation. He's currently writing his next book, which is titled 50 Ideas That Changed the World of Work. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, chatting to Jeremy, and I hope that you enjoy the episode. All right, so welcome, Jeremy, to uh, the Significance Podcast. Uh, Really happy to have you join us today. Delighted to be here, Don. It's always a pleasure to speak and, uh, yeah. and to catch up and uh, great to be here. Thank you. No, thanks, Jeremy. And, um, you know, I know you're a man who is known, well, especially by me as many titles. So I would call you a friend, but I'd also call you an expert, uh, a, a great thinker, an author, um, uh, someone who has played key roles in, in organizations like The Economist and London Business School, and, uh, you know, Duke Corporate Education. But um, those are only elements of you, I guess. Uh, if I had to start with a, with a question of, tell us something about Jeremy that maybe isn't wrapped up in those titles. That's a, that's a good question. Do you know, I, so I've done all of those things and my career spans 30 years and I've written business books and all of that good stuff. Um, I would say I was a student as I, Mm -hmm. as I get older, I think the key to Mm -hmm. eternal youth is curiosity and a desire to learn and understand and study. And I, so if I had to describe myself in one word, it might be an explorer or it might be a student um, because there's so much that we know, which gives us access to so much more that we can find out if we only ask. And anyway, the world is changing so quickly, positively, with huge opportunities in front of us, and sometimes a little negatively with challenges that we need to meet as well. So how do we do that? And how do we get everybody on side to do that? That's the leadership part of of what I do. So, uh, and there are some perennials in that so um you know qualities that would have been relevant at the time of shakespeare they'll be relevant in uh 500 years time things like um uh decency or kindness or courage or any of those virtues that 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 are widely known if you don't know what they are just read the words of fiction or or watch a superhero movie or, or go to a shakespeare play um because they are universal values so Um, I think there are perennial issues that we need to adapt to our new context. We need to understand what that new context is, and we need to be developing new uh, skills and new shifts in mindset as well. So that's that's what um, I enjoy, I think. Maybe people don't know so much about me. Don't know that about me. 
that's that's excellent and you know knowing a little bit about you i'd say that's definitely true uh but almost to add on to that it, you seem like someone who can't just sit on your knowledge and insight so you find ways to share it um and hence the writing the consulting uh and that's just a reflection would you say that that's correct so you 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 like to get the insight but i think you also get energized by sharing it I do. Uh, thank you for, for noticing mm -hmm. and commenting. I think so. And so my work is helping leaders navigate and shape the future. Mm. And I do that with content. So that'll be the writing or mm. learning, e-learning mm. material, whatever we're developing. Um, but it's also coaching uh, mm. as well and, and helping people um, with their priorities. Yeah, I get I get a kick out of that and, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, definitely enjoy that. Sure. And uh, speaking about the writing, I think it is a 27 books now with number 28 coming no, or have i got it actually, wrong it's actually 29 published they've been translated wow. into 17 languages and number 30 is on the way number 30 is being written at the moment or being researched and written at the moment uh, with my with uh, my co-author jonathan besser the book is called uh, 50 ideas that change the world of work and uh, it's going to be published by profile books with the economist so really excited about that. So now my mind is full of, so what are those 50 ideas that change the world of work? Uh, and again, it's a mix of new stuff and classical perennial thinking. So for sure, there's going to be some Drucker in there, but equally there's going to be uh, much more recent um, insights into things like, you know, diversity, equality, uh, all of those issues, which are belatedly, I have to say, come to the fore, which are in the minds of many executives now. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, very quickly, um, what usually gives you uh, that initial inkling on a topic to write about? So, if we just had to speak about this latest book, uh, you know, what? How, how do you land? Because I think that's that's always an interesting question on when people have something to share or sort so, of put out there to the world. Uh, what gives you that initial sense of, hey, this I should actually write about these fifty things? It's one of three ways, usually. Uh, typically, it's something I think would be interesting to know more about. I, I've got a secret for you, Don. Don't tell anyone this. But <laughs> writing books, or writing anything, actually, but certainly writing books, is developmental. It helps you organize your thinking. It helps you structure and deepen uh, what you know. And uh, it helps you form a view. I don't... I, I can think of 200 ideas that change the world of work, but I'm really struggling to find the 50 most significant. By the time the book is written, I will uh, be able to share those and I'll, I'll have an argument for why they're the most significant and, and the impact they've had. So it is it is developmental, firstly. Uh, it's something I'd like to read. That's where where good ideas from, come from. And, and other people, so either um, co-authors. I mean, the way you get to 30 books, frankly, is to do an awful lot of co-authoring. And I've been blessed with um, some really talented, insightful, excellent people to work with and write with as well. So that's um, where a lot of the ideas have come from and, and publishers as well. So once you write a few, then a publisher will have an idea for a book and think, OK, Jeremy could probably... Um, cover this or, or do a good good job of this my last book was uh coaching questions but it came on the back of a book i'd written called coaching essentials so uh it's the kind of second book i've written now about about coaching but one kind of led on to the other excellent yeah i'm glad i'm recording this because i'm going to go back and uh 
and listen to a few of those points. Uh, I like the idea of also ordering your thoughts in your head, you know, that, uh, that the process, I guess, is, you know, even if uh, the end goal isn't just to start off with a published book, it's a nice way to sort of gather your thoughts and your thinking. Absolutely. Um, so Can I just say a word to, yeah. to people that may think they need to be an expert and you need to have an affinity for the subject and you need to have the drive and the curiosity, but who is an expert? And even if you are an expert today, will you still be an expert tomorrow? I come back to this point about curiosity and, and being a student. And I yeah. think if you're waiting to write a book or hesitating to write a book, because maybe you feel you aren't that expert yet, I would say jump in. If you have a passion, a curiosity for the subject, if you know something about it, you have experience in that area, and uh, then take that out for a spin. Deepen it, refine it, develop it. Uh, and it'll be it'll be a great read for sure. I would love to just also tap into your curiosity, I guess, and maybe some of the insights that you that you have personally uh, got or sort of uh, uh, landed on. Um, but looking back, as you've been thinking or, or researching these fifty ideas, if I had to bring it back to leadership. Um, Bringing us to this place where we find ourselves today. So looking backwards, what would you say have been the key roles that good leaders have played in society? So uh, have you seen, like you've got 50 ideas, have you seen a couple of traits or one key trait that good leaders have lived out um, that have changed the world in that respect? I can I can share a, share a couple before I do just to kind of add to your question almost yes. or to comment on the yes. question. Uh, leadership is really really important, and so perhaps that goes without saying. But the abs and it has an effect. So leadership matters because it has an effect. Uh, but equally, a vacuum, an absence of leadership, matters as well and has an effect as well. So it isn't um, a nice to have. It isn't, you know, the, the world will keep on spinning if we don't have uh, leadership. Actually, we will um, have huge opportunity costs and really significant problems if we don't have people stepping forward. So, but to answer your question, what does what do leaders do? I, I've asked this, I, and I did it, um, I forget what, the, I think it was probably, I, I wrote a book on trust, um, and we did a lot of research with that. Uh, when we developed uh, that work. And um, I was asking leaders uh, what they thought great lead leaders did. And the one comment came up time and time again, and it was this, if you're going to be a leader, you need to like people. Wow. Now, there's nothing wrong with not liking people. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being misanthropic or insular or um, kind of... Uh, having that view but but that will then make it a challenge for you to be a great leader so leaders need to understand and value and be able to connect with people a lot of those things like connecting with people building rapport connection great relationships trust all of that can be developed can be learned yeah just um, quickly on that jeremy because sorry leader. sorry to cut you off yeah um sure. I, I think sometimes we hear that and you know, we think, oh, well, that just makes someone a nice person that they like people. But 
actually it's a neurobiological need you know we thrive and we exist in community i mean you just have to think that the highest form of punishment in prison is solitary confinement um and yet sometimes i see leaders building their own you know solitary confinement cages because they don't want to authentically connect with those around them uh, you know all that movie cast away with tom hanks we see what happens when he also gets sort of lost on this island and you know I like what you're saying, but I also think it's it's not just the nice thing to do as a leader because you know, it's it actually well, you're is, right. it is it's nice, necessary. but it's absolutely necessary in order for you and your team to thrive. So uh, really good, Ab abs absolutely yeah. right, and and I uh, absolutely agree, Don, with your comment about uh, leaders and not being nice necessarily, and there are lots of people who have failed to lead because they are people pleasers. Yeah. I can think, for example, of a British prime minister that would, would fit that, that description. Mm. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I think for me, the essence of leadership, but also coaching as well. And these two kind of uh, overlap very significantly is the ability to provide support and challenge. So there's one thing you need to be a leader or to be a coach. And that is the rapport the connection, the positive intent. So you know, or I know that we have each other's best interest at heart. Uh, and that's great because then that gives me permission to challenge you, to push you, to question you. I mean, to do it not in an aggressive way, in a positive, constructive, open, assertive way. Um, but that's what leaders do. They have the rapport, the relationship, and then that gives them the ability on that rapport to provide support and challenge. And that's what great coaches do as well, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So well put. Uh, I can see why you're a good communicator because so eloquent with your words always, Jeremy. Uh, but if I had to think about that too, now looking into the future, so you know, seeing what has made leaders great up until now, but we had right now, you know, the world of work looks very different to it did even just two, three years ago. Um, and if leaders are going to continue, number one, I guess, to be successful, um, because oftentimes we all do have a drive in us. We don't want to just be average. We want to succeed. So I guess my question is two parts. What, what is going to be essential for leaders to be successful in the future? But also, how do they be uh, a continued influence and blessing to those that come under their influence? So do you, does that make sense? Yeah. That, that absolutely makes okay. sense. Um, and I think, um, as I think of, of my answer to that, actually, there, there are two elements to that. There are two things that leaders need to do. They need to, firstly, not throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's those points about the perennial truths of the human condition, how, you know, how we are, who we are as people, and what we look for in leaders. So let, can I answer this in two parts? Firstly, what's not changing? Uh, and here's what's not changing. Speed matters. So there's a lot of discussion has been in, in the last decade or two about agility and the need for speed. And that for sure is true driven by things like technology. So speed matters, but so does direction and distance. I think that's really important. The question isn't simply how fast we can go, but how far? And I think leaders that understand that are more likely to succeed. Leaders that um, can balance um, 
the needs of the moment, uh, those kind of immediate needs with where are we going as a team, as an organization, as a business, where am I going as a leader? And can take that slightly longer term perspective as well uh, really matters. I'm, I'm mindful, Don, you'll know this, the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Love it. So that speaks to the need for, for leadership. It also, by the way, challenges the uh, this thing about um, agility and speed being uh, being a team thing necessarily. But but I think if you want to go far, go together, um, and and great leaders get that. Um, I've got a, I, I came across an amazing fact or stat that has really blown my mind, and I wanted to share it with you. And it's it's to do with this question of speed and and direction and distance. 65 years, seven months, and four days. Is that a long time? 65 years, seven months, four days. Is that a long time? Because it is the time from the 17th of December, 1903, when Orville and Wilbur Wright had the world's first powered flight in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, December, 1903, to 20th of June, 1969, arguably the most famous powered flight when Neil Armstrong touched down on the moon. 65 years, seven months, four days. It kind of blows my mind that uh, I think that is actually quite quick. But I also think if there had been an element of intentional direction, I mean, the, the way we got there was the history of the 20th century and a lot of a lot of uh, kind of disconnected forces and events happening at different times. But I just think there's so there's a lesson there for sure about intentionality. Perhaps we could have done it even faster if, you know, on that beach in 1903, they said, "Great, okay, first step. How do we how do we get how do we get to walk on the moon?" Um, that might have been a bit of a bit of a challenge uh, then, but for sure that 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 kind of intentionality is important. Um, can I share something else as well to, of course. to do with what leaders need to do? And they need, they're good at, or good leaders are good at recognizing that not only does intention matter, but, but so does trust. Mm. So um, the question then is, who do you trust and who do you mistrust uh, and why? Um, and you have to, you know, so much of the world we live in, our leadership, but also our, our teams, you know, the way we collaborate with colleagues or our organizations, the way we connect with customers or stakeholders, rely on trust. Um, and I think that is critically important. That That isn't a new thing. That's a perennial truth that risks being forgotten. Mm. Trust really matters. Sorry, I'm uh, just going to jump in again there, yeah, sure. Sorry, yeah. I, I just... I love the idea of the, the speed element that you said and then trust. And I remember, I can't remember who wrote it or who said it, but uh, they were speaking about how teams actually advance at the speed of trust. Um, yes, that's yeah. a lovely phrase, isn't it? This, I yeah. love that. In fact, can I say title of a book, The yes. Speed of Trust? Yes. Right there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can be, maybe it can be Speed of Trust, Jeremy Cordy, co-written with Don Muller. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's great. Leading at the yeah. speed of trust. Yeah, yeah, I like it. But you're right. It's it's. Um, can I say also, um, when we did our research into the drivers of trust, like if you're interested, I can share the ten things we look for when deciding to trust someone. But yeah, but when I when I researched that book and, and we launched it, somebody said this is great, and I was really proud. 
but they said, how universal is it? Yeah, it was a Chinese person that was asking me this question. Does this apply in every culture? And not every uh, human quality does, but I do think we make much, much more of the differences between us because they're interesting or they're newsworthy or they're you know, in some way significant. And we kind of ignore the mundane, but really, really profound and significant similarities we all share. And it doesn't matter whether you're African or Indian or Chinese or um, British, European, American, whatever. Mm. Um, we all value openness, courage, uh, dependability, fairness. These are the qualities that these are the drivers of trust. These are the things we uh, look for when choosing to trust someone. And it actually doesn't matter what culture you come mm. from. Clearly, mm. they're manifest in different ways in different yes. cultures. Yes, the, and the if, if I think about that too, that what is almost pervasive across all cultures, it almost speaks to me in that African proverb where it says, you know, if you want to go far, go together. Um, and so one of the biggest killers of trust that I think might be universal, great to hear your thoughts on this, but that is a selfish intent or when there's a selfish yeah. gain, it immediately ambition. just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ambition so, was one of, of, of the things that undermines trust for sure. Or selfish intent. Yeah. Selfish. Cause ambition, if I'm ambitious for the collective could drive trust. So if I'm for in your sure. team. Aspiration is good. Kind of self-enriching. And did you kind of see that principle come through in, in your research and just in your experience being, I mean, you've been a leader, you are a leader. Um, have you seen that truth sort of play out? I, I, I absolutely have. People talk about, about, about them and their priorities. And it is, it is, um, People will give you the benefit of the doubt, particularly yes. if you're a new leader yes. or you're adjusting to it, or if you're in really shaky ground or facing a big challenge, people will cut you some slack. But that's why self-awareness is so important. That's why it's as a coach, it's important to be self-aware oneself. It's also important to help other people become self-aware because that self-awareness is surely one of the pillars of of leadership and if you talk about yourself if you're so lacking in empathy as well which is another sort of corollary perhaps of that then that's going to undermine your leadership so you do need to understand your impact on others how you're perceived and you do need to take that collective um view or have a have a collective sensibility um come back to this point about needing to understand and, and like people i think yeah this is also something I've been quite uh, interested in. It might be cool to see if you've got any insights from, from the research again, but it seems like previously, if a leader didn't have too much empathy, they could still be successful. It was like, you know, you just put your head down, you work really hard, you got the knowledge, you climbed the corporate ladder and traits like empathy weren't really that important. But nowadays, I mean, I think if you don't have empathy or even just a sense of kindness, you can be the most clever person in the room, but you might not necessarily be an influential yeah. leader. So right. do you have right. some? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, I would say that is a new development. So I've yeah. talked a little about the perennials of things like trust yeah. relationships, those kind of things. Um, something that is new, I think, 
I hope I'm not being naive here. Tell me if you think I am, but it's about kindness in yeah. business. It's about organizations and teams and individuals needing to be accepted and valued by the communities they serve. So if you are a rapacious, um, greedy uh, executive looking to make a quick buck, uh, then you may be successful in the short term, but for sure you will fail in the long term. And I mm. think the change is communities and, and societies now are looking, looking for that. I see, we see it in China. They, the Chinese government are clamping down on corruption. They yeah. don't want capitalism to become tainted among their population. I mean, there are lots of reasons to clamp down on, on corruption, but that is one of them. It undermines uh, capitalism, and that's why we should all worry about, about it. So we, we see that in, in China, but we see it over here too. You know, we're struggling uh, in the UK, where we're speaking today, to um, attract and retain uh, people on, that can add value which is my definition of, of talent. Talent is anybody that can add value to a business. And it's in pretty short supply. Um, so you've got to do the decent thing. You've got to uh, build a business that um, does something valuable or noble or worthwhile, even if that valuable, noble, worthwhile thing is um, providing employment or, or challenge or paying taxes or you know delivering as part of the supply chain. It can be a fairly mundane thing you do. Um, but it's still, you know, um, commercialism, entrepreneurship is a noble thing. Mm. And I think um, we need to get away from, I, I was irritated slightly at the turn of the century by, um, what was it called? No, uh, no logo. Books like that, which criticize, implicitly crit criticize capitalism. Capitalism is, is a good thing, but, but it needs, it needs mm. and is, mm. I think, now, finally, yeah. getting better, being yeah. kinder. Yeah. Um, and being more inclusive of, of, of everything, of, of employees, of customers and, and communities. Mm. It's really, really important. And, and that's a big change that's happening. And leaders are behind that. People are thinking, do you know what? This is the world I want to live in. This is the mm. world I, I want to create. As a yeah. And as you're speaking, you, a conversation I had recently with the CEO popped to mind. And we we're talking about, you might have heard this said before, but I'm not going to say people. I'm going to use your word of talent because I really like that. But we were discussing that talent joins an organization oftentimes because there, there's a belief in the brand, in the culture, in what it stands for, but they end up leaving their leaders. Yeah. Um, and do, do you see, I mean, you also mentioned the, the, the uh, supply of good talent. Um, for me, it seems that leaders should be really prioritizing how they in particular live out what the brand stands for. But I don't want to go on a different tangent, but it just made me think about that that conversation I had with them and listening to you speak about talent and, and the roles that leaders play. Uh, what are your thoughts on that statement that, you know, talent joins an organization, but they leave the leaders? You, you, you're absolutely right. And I see that, frankly, all, all the time. And a really good friend of mine joined uh, an organization um, a, a vocational organization essentially and it, it turned out that uh, and, and it does really really good work um, but her, her boss was well her boss was and this is an unusual I don't think her boss was really really under pressure 
really unsure how to manage hybrid working, really unsure how to hit the targets in this new um, changed working environment we find ourselves and was scared. And then that led to lots of bad controlling difficult behaviors that was making my friend just want to head for the exit. Um, I don't think, I don't think that's, that's unusual. And sadly, and I think, um, you know, if, if something, I think there's, we've kind of lost uh, or we're at risk of losing in all this pressure and this desire to hit our numbers and this desire to cope with a changing workplace and working environment we can lose sight of kindness and decency and just the right way to be, never mind leadership, never mind in an organization, just how to be a decent member of the human race. You know, uh, sacking people, um, making them redundant by text message uh, or or, um, on a mass Zoom call is never good. If If it feels wrong, uh, if it feels like this might not be the right thing to do, and almost certainly um, it is. So if, if you don't know that, then you need to look at yourself. Um, if as an organization, people behave that way, then surely that organization needs to help provide support to those people. But mm. but I, I, that's what I see. I, I, people do leave um, a, bad, a, yeah. a, a bad boss. As I say, they'll, they'll, they will cut some slack. So, of course. Um, that, that, you know, people... And, and, you know, we're perhaps entering a difficult times economically. So people, even though people have bills to pay and, and, and careers to develop, um, they have a pretty low tolerance for bad behavior um, and they, they expect more. Yeah, thinking of that, you know, um, seems like, too, one of the ways to combat people feeling a disconnect between the organization and and their 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 experience would be the idea of coaching um and for me a way to extend kindness and um so sort of empathy to someone would also be to give them the opportunity to have some kind of coaching relationship now again empathy and kindness sounds like i oh, know but that's just for the nice people uh, we both know that coaching conversations often, uh, like you mentioned earlier, even in the podcast, sort of move into the realm of the uncomfortable and the tough. But I can still show kindness in that uncomfortable, tough conversation. But anyway, I guess what I would like to ask you is, obviously a role that I play uh, in my career is, is as a coach, but I've never really liked to use that term traditionally, just because I feel it conjures up so many different definitions for people and leaders. So I've chosen to call myself a trusted advisor, but sometimes I find that also gets in the way because people aren't exactly sure. And I have to almost end up saying, I know I'm an executive coach, but again, if I had to ask you, what do you believe is the key role that a coach can play? What would your definition be of a coach? Um, And then secondly, why on earth would an executive want one? Because it's like, it could be the trendy. I heard someone say recently, oh, but do you have a coach? And they were like, it seems like a coach is not the trendy thing to have. But I almost believe it's the essential thing to have. So I'd love to hear from the experts. Well, uh, I, I, okay, so I love trusted advisor. I think that is an important part of, of what a coach 
is and does. Um, I sometimes use the phrase coach educator I like because that. they don't just, um, they're not just learner-led, goal-oriented and non-directive, which is what great coaches do, but they may take a time out and they'll share an experience or a concept or in some way provide um, kind of mental stimulation and, and education. So trust advisor works, coach educator works. Um, so I, I, is that, does that answer the first question yes. of what a, what a coach does? For yes. sure, they provide, as I said before, they provide that yes. um, support and challenge. They're, they're kind of um, helping people realize their potential. And when I say realize it, I mean, I use the word realize in both senses of the meaning. They help people uh, uncover or uh, discover what their potential is. Do you know what? Maybe I could do this. And then they help them achieve it. So in that way, they're, they're helping people realize their potential. Um, and, and I think the skills that, uh, well, so another point to mention actually is the importance of context. So, where, yes. so whether you're a trust advisor or a coach educator probably depends yeah. on who you're working with and, and the level at which, at which you're working. Oh. So to your second question, why should people have a coach? I was stunned, actually. So I'll, I'll let you into a secret. One of the 50 ideas that changed the world of work is coaching. Oh, wow. Thanks for sharing. Uh, so, <laughs> a sneak preview. And um, when I was uh, writing about coaching as one of the 50 ideas, um, I discovered that um, particularly in what used to be called emerging markets or the developing world, um, younger people, i.e. people between the ages of 25 and 35, are looking, in fact, they're demanding coaches, and that trend is spreading to the West as well. So uh, you, you're probably too young to remember, Dom, but uh, 20 plus years ago, coaching used to be reserved for senior executives. Um, you know, the most expensive uh, execs in the organization would get the most expensive development, which was often coaching. Now younger people are saying, do you know what? I want coaching too. And for the same reason that the big wigs get it, for the same reason that our leaders get it, because it helps them succeed in times of opportunity, challenge, and change. And I may only be 25, but if you want my expertise, um, why wouldn't you help me with that? Organizations are responding in two ways. The good news, I think, for people like us is that they're reaching out to coaches. So the future for professional coaches is, is looking reasonable, I would say. Uh, but crucially, and this is really significant, back to our discussion about leadership, organizations are saying to their managers and leaders, you need to be good coaches as well. And I've worked with some great businesses over the last couple yes. of years where what they want to do is introduce a coaching culture or upskill their managers so that they can be great coaches. And, and I like that. I think that's fantastic. There used to be some debate about the merits of coaching. Now there isn't. Um, you need a sounding board. You need support. You need challenge. You need to achieve your goals. You need to have impact. You need somebody who can help you with whatever's just landed in your in-tray. And you need to be thinking for the long term. Mm. How can you do all of that? And by the way, you're a leader. Perhaps you've got a little bit of an ego on you. So you don't want to announce this to the world. So how can we how can we help you with that? Well, let's get the coffee on. Let's shut the door and let's have a conversation. Let's have a I like coaching it. discussion. I like that. 
You know, I believe the difference between success and significance is that, you know, to be be a significant leader, not just a successful one, is that you have an impact on those around you. So you've been great. You've you've haven't shrunk back. You you play to your strengths. You exercise your brilliance. But it's not just for your gain, like what we speak. It's actually for the benefit of all of those around me. And I can't see how you can actually be that benefit to those around you if you can't have that core skill of coaching, um, yeah. which is reaching out and having a conversation about understanding how you can be there for someone else. So I really do like what you said there too around, it's not just the the externals providing a service, but it's a core internal leadership skill and not just the CEO, but anyone who has one or two more people that they influence to really start growing uh, in that skill. Um, can I just say something on that? Yes. That vulnerability yes. is great. Uh, is a, is a I mean, not overdone, but an element of vulnerability is is important for leaders. They need to not pretend they're brilliant at everything. They need to recognize things they could get better at, but they need to not just leave it there. They can't just leave that uh, admitted, acknowledged weakness hanging there. You got to do something about it, and and coaching uh, is is important for that too. Very good, Jeremy. Um, I know that I've spoken to you about the word significance before, um, but if I had to almost uh, get your final thoughts um, on that word, what does what does that word significance mean for Jeremy or for you? And um, how would you encourage leaders to be significant in their areas of influence? I think... If I may, I'll, I'm going to come to me second because I'm going sure. to take just a little uh, mm. think about that. But for, for leaders, I think, isn't significance about having an impact? Yeah. Isn't it about doing something positive and constructive um, and and delivering that? Uh, and I think if if you do that, then um, then I think that that can. Uh, that, that is 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 what is what significance is. Do you know? Okay, uh, I, I've already shared one of the fifty ideas. If I can share another one, that I, think, uh, yeah. I, I I need to confirm this with my co-author. But I'm thinking growth mindset. Carol Dweck's concept of growth mindset is one of the fifty ideas that are changing the world of work. And I think it also speaks to a growth in or, or the rise of psychology in leadership. So what does great leadership, what does significant leadership look like? It looks like uh, somebody that thinks, do you know what? Um, I, I am the tip of the spear or my team or my organization can break new ground, can do worthwhile, valuable, exciting, uh, beneficial things. And you know, I love that story about the janitor at NASA who was asked what he was doing, and he said, "I'll, I'm helping to put a man on the moon." I think, I think that kind of attitude, the, uh, you know, to be able to lead an organization that, that instills that view is, is fantastic and is significant and leads to great results, like like people walking on the moon. Um, and what so what does it mean for me? Well, for, so for me, it means it means that it means trying to do things that are that are worthwhile and and um, constructive so that's why my my work is focused on helping leaders navigate and shape the future i think that's where i can help um 
And that also speaks a little bit, I think, to the second part of what leadership looks like to me or, or what matters to me perhaps as a leader, which is, and, and you've already highlighted, um, thank you for saying, um, helping other people, helping other people um, kind of make sense of the world and navigate it and just live a happier, more fulfilled life. I think if we can do that, then um, then that's not a bad achievement, is it? No, brilliant. I'm feeling inspired here, uh, Jeremy. And I just personally want to thank you for your curiosity, but also for sharing with us, you know, not just keeping your insights. Uh, thank you for letting the curiosity spill over into incredible insights that you've shared. I know many, many leaders and individuals have benefited from you and your insights, including myself. Um, I have a lot to uh, be grateful for to you for, for my career. Um, so I want to thank you for taking the time to to talk with us and for sharing your insights. Um, you know, Check out Jeremy's books. They're all on Amazon. Uh, they are definitely worth the read. I've actually got a personal copy from Jeremy of the coaching one, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I can recommend that one. Um, and yeah, his company is also up on the web. Uh, Curdy, am I saying I always get your surname wrong? Sorry, Jeremy. Maybe no, it's perfect. Curdy Associates. Yeah, Curdy that's, that's okay. the company. And and uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's been great speaking today, Don. I have to say, can I just say generally, it is fantastic working together. I, there's lots to love about Don Muller and your kind of openness, warmth, that international perspective as well that you bring. It kind of encourages me when I make comments about uh, some of the universal, unifying act attributes of of what it means to lead uh and i and i get that from from uh working and, and getting close to people like you don so thank you for that thank you jeremy and um yeah i'm sure we will have to record part two some stage in the future but again thank you for giving us your time and insights i'd love to real pleasure don thank you for having me great to speak take Thanks. care thank you for tuning into significance with me don muller Hit subscribe now so you won't miss an episode. As a leadership consultant, I work with CEOs, top executives and their teams to unlock their full potential in business and in life. To find out more about me, about what I do, and to get in touch, visit donmuller.com.